Hello, welcome to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. I'm your host, Helen Perry, and this show is for anyone promoting their work, trying to get seen, heard and known on the internet. Every week I talk to a wonderful guest about how they communicate their ideas to a bigger audience so that they can make the job they love work. It can feel like the answer to how to do this successfully is make an eight second video that grabs my attention in the first 0.5 seconds and then goes viral. No, slow down. Today, we're talking about how to write a book and get it published. I have always followed what it is that I really want. And so when it comes to book writing, it's something I really recommend people think really carefully about doing. Uh, Don't do it because you think, oh, this will be fabulous on my CV, right? I mean, yes, that might be part of it, but you have to really want to write a book as well. I know there'll be people listening who really want to write a book. It's in the back there. They may be feeling very unsure whether they're able to, whether they're allowed to, whether they have permission to, all those sorts of things. But I know there'll be people listening that have or like have that in them that they definitely want to. And I think you should listen to that voice. Penny Winsor is a writer, writing coach and podcaster who published her first book, Tender, in 2020. It's a hugely compassionate and impactful book about the job of being a carer based on her experience of caring for first her mum and then her son. The success of Tender has led to Penny becoming a go-to voice on the subject of unpaid caring. She's been featured in Red Magazine, iPaper and on BBC Radio. Writing and publishing a book changed her life. And now she helps others to get their book ideas out there because she's discovered a special talent for writing book pitches and proposals. It's true, she pitched herself onto this podcast brilliantly. I began by asking Penny how she discovered her special talent for proposals, which is the piece of writing that explains to a potential publisher why your book is saleable and marketable and worth taking a chance on. I think it is a particular kind of skill and I do like it. I find it enjoyable. And interestingly, I was talking to another really amazing um, award-winning life writer who also teaches. And we were having a conversation off podcast. Um, uh, and, you know, she was saying, oh, what, what specifically do you focus on with your writing coaching? I was like, oh, you know what? I focus on writing proposals with, with people for non- nonfiction and memoir proposals. Um, I love it. I just love this idea of, you know, you really have to kind of see the whole picture. And it's like you've got a whole lot of helium balloons and you're taking all the strands and you're pulling them together to create a bunch. It's, it's, um, you're, you're kind of taking this idea, all these, all these disparate ideas and distilling them down to, um, a, a shape and a container. And I find that really satisfying. And interestingly, she said to me, Oh my God, I hate that bit. I hate it. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, I really dislike it. Um, I was like, oh, I find it so satisfying. Most people find it chronically difficult, whether it's an elevator pitch about their business or themselves or about a book or an idea they've got. Most people are like, oh, it's just getting to that place of being able to sum up at essence what it is that you are trying to give people is ever so difficult. So how do you help other writers with that? Well, it is very difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's very difficult. But... um, but it, I find it very stimulating and really interesting work. Um, but it is, it is, it is very difficult. And it's really, I mean, I go through, I have a whole process that I go through. It's, 
it's really about digging, digging down and mining and continuing to mine. A lot of it is really about coming back to why. Why are you going to write this? Why does this matter? Why does it matter right now? Um, who is, who is your reader? What is their, what is their real problem? And how are you going to help them with that problem? And how are you going to get them from the beginning, from really, from that early, why would, why that, that real drive to pick up that book, that the pain, the, whatever it is that, that's driving them to pick up that book, how are you going to help them get from that place to the place you really want them to be? So a lot of the work I do is about digging into all of that. Um, it's a messy process. People think it's probably like, oh, um, I'll take a few days off work and I'll pop together a proposal. Um, it is not like that. Um, it's a, it's, you have to go very deep into your ideas. And, um, and it can look very messy in the beginning, but as you dig deeper and deeper and deeper, you can really get to the core of what it is you want to say. Um, but I find that process really enjoyable. And so how it happened really was that, um, so initially when I wrote the proposal for tender, um, I, um, I didn't have any support from any kind of, you know, nonfiction writing coaches. What I did was I went online and listened to podcasts and I found resources, resources from all over. And I found these amazing resources at this particular place. And then, um, I, I really used their techniques and I wrote a proposal that I had feedback from that was, that it was the best proposal that had landed on their desk, kind of as a cold call kind of thing without any support. And everyone I sort of sent, they were like, who helped you with this? And I was like, well, I mean, I just did it. <laughs> um, but I did it with a lot of, you know, resources that I'd found online. Um, so, so I knew that the proposal really hit the mark. Um, when I, um, when I was really thinking about what business I wanted to do, um, alongside writing books, uh, when it became clear that I couldn't really shoot feasibly anymore, um, at the same time, would you believe this same company announced that they were training book coaches? And I just knew instantly that's what I was going to do. Those techniques I had proven worked for me. And so I went and did a qualification in that particular technique. Um, and the, 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 it was very, very thorough qualification. It was all vetted and I was, you know, everything was, you know, I had to pass essentially. Um, but it was techniques I really believed in and I knew would get results for people because it got results for me. Can anyone learn to write? Can people listening thinking, I don't think I have the confidence to write a book, even though I kind of maybe have a story in me or some advice to offer. Can it be learned? Absolutely. I think the number one thing you need is a drive to do it. And I think that's, the thing is that writing a book is a big, it's a big project and it's not an essential one, you know, essentially. Um, it's not, it's not like other aspects of, you know, running a creative business, which is, you know, essentially you just have to learn how to do it and you get on with it. I think the thing that's challenging about writing a book is that the benefits can be absolutely huge to you as a creative business owner, but, um, it's, it is hard to make the decision to do it because it takes a lot of time. But I think really what you need is a drive to do it. Um, and I think a lot of people do have that drive. I think anyone listening will know what I'm talking about. This idea, this little tiny kernel inside of them that's like, oh, I really want to do that one day. And we know that when we see other people um, who bring out books, maybe not in your field, but maybe in an adjacent field where you're like, I could do that. I know I could do that. And that's a little tiny bit inside. And I think if you have that feeling, if you have that, oh, I've, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to put my thoughts, my expertise into one place like that. Um, then I think you absolutely can learn how to do it 
Where are people uh, that you work with, uh, where are they going wrong, I suppose, with their writing process or their their proposal process? What are the common uh, mistakes that you see that might be holding people back from having this, this feeling and this idea to really making it into a book? Well, I think, first of all, it's um, is really understanding why why this is a book and not something else. Um, it needs you need to be able to show and understand why this idea is is a book and not a podcast or um, a blog series or um, a, a course or something else. Um, because you know ideas aren't just a book because you put them in a book shaped object. <laughs> um, a book has very very specific aspects to it um, in order to be able to. Sh- to have a proposal commissioned, it really needs to be clear that a book is the best format for these ideas. And that means understanding books and really understanding them and about how you shape your ideas into your book shape. Um, and actually, that's really what a proposal, the dif- difficult aspect of writing a proposal is. It's not, um, it's not just about knowing your subject really well. It's about knowing how to put your subject into a really succinct, and clear and engaging book form. Um, and so I think that's really a lot of the work I'm doing with people. I'm working with people who are very much experts in their field or their experience. Um, I'm not an expert in their field, but I'm helping them to see it from a book form. Um, and so there's a process that we go through to see that. And uh, what are the benefits of getting getting a book into the universe? How has it helped you find work, be respected, all of those things? Well, I would say the number one thing is don't write a book expecting that the advance you get is going to be the reason that you do it. Um, you know, somebody might get a reasonably well, well paid advance and, um, or they might get a very small one, but the time and effort it takes to put into a book, um, really, if it's just money you're after, you probably you know, better off just if you, if it's immediate money, you're just after, <laughs> you probably are better off doing other things in your business. Um, it's not the easiest way to make money in that sense, in terms of advances. So really the, the benefits are really around growing your authority as a thought leader. So I think as a creative business owner, particularly, um, if your interests lie in becoming a thought leader in your industry, then a book is a really great way of building that authority. When a nonfiction book comes out, there's so much opportunity for press and PR. It's very hard work. You have to do a lot of hard work doing it, but it really pays off. Um, you know, bringing out a book means that, you know, you'll, you can be on the radio and you'll be invited to write articles and your book will be reviewed and you could become, you know, a book can be part of growing your authority as somebody who is a go-to in your industry. Um, that of course has exponential benefits to you, to you financially in the long run. So I would say, in terms of thinking about it, in terms of financially, it's really a very long-term plan rather than an immediate plan. Even if you get paid reasonably well for your book in terms of advance, it's still the amount of time and effort that goes into it. It's probably not going to be as profitable as the other sort of services that you provide as a creative business owner. So really, it's about growing your authority. That book will always be there now. You know, for, for all that hard work that you have done, that book will always be there. And you can always, you'll always be the person that wrote that book in people's minds. Absolutely. And I think the other thing, the other really thing, thing that I see, which I think is such a big driver for people as well as authority, is that, um, you know, these are 
this book can be like is there for posterity you know um you, you might be a very expensive person to work with it might be very it'll cost a lot of money to work directly with you um it might even cost quite a bit of money to come to conferences and things that you you speak at um but a book is so accessible it's so accessible you can even get them from the library so they'd be free you know like if you if you are the kind of person who would love the idea of your your ideas being really accessible and out there, a book is another really great reason to do that, to both grow your authority and also make your ideas accessible. I am very much of the mindset in terms of creative businesses that I think um, knowledge should be out there. Um, it's the reason I have a podcast. Uh, it's the reason I come on other people's podcasts. I think we shouldn't be um, grabby with knowledge. I think it should be out there in the world. Um you know, when someone wants to work with me, there's so much more I can do when I work with someone one-to-one. -one. I can give information freely, but actually, you know, working with me, you do have to pay to work with me. But that's different. I think knowledge should be out there and free. And I think books are such an incredible way of getting of getting work out there in the world um, in a really financially accessible way to other people as well. I agree. I agree. I've always uh, been really happy to answer any question anybody's got and share whatever they want to know about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. I mean, you know, partly because I'm learning all the time myself. And just by sharing what I know, quite often I it helps me to art fully articulate those ideas and learnings to myself. It's part of the, the process, I'm sure that other people feel the same way and I mean hello nobody's nobody's really got the answers to everything anyway change my mind by the end of breakfast time as to how I, I feel about anything but if you want to know anything that I've learned just ask and I will share it with you I, I was struck by something that you said early on your your discipline in allocating that Friday that you got to writing and uh, noticing how easily time can get swallowed up in other things, such as creating posts for social media. Penny, you and I have been connected on Instagram for yonks. We can't remember how it all started, this beautiful friendship. But, you know, it, it, how do you balance off that need to write books, take care of your family, and also sort of grow an online audience and everything that that needs to happen with that where do you find time for that and how do you stop it from eating into your other creative time oh it, it is challenging it's hugely challenging just to put in perspective this past year I've been doing a master's full-time uh, running my writing coaching business doing the proposal for my next non-fiction book which is about to start um writing a novel, I wrote a whole novel and looking after my family. <laughs> so I'm pretty busy. Um, social media, it's, it's interesting. It is difficult um, to, to create the time. I, I'm getting, it's had to shift over time as well because working as a freelance photographer, I did use it, but it was very different now um, to how I need to, how I need to use it now for my business that I have as a writing coach. So it's shifting and changing all the time. I think I have to remember it's not, it's, it's never the most important thing, but I do need to make time for it. Um, it's a part of running a business. It's a part of running a business like, um, like delivering work to clients is a part of my business. Um, although of course, posting on social media is a smaller part of my business than actually delivering the work to clients, but I still have to consider it that way. Um, and how I've used it has really changed over time, you know, sort of five years ago when I was sort of writing and sort of using it as micro blogging, I was really using it to grow and build relationships. I now have, you know, 
quite a lot of writer friends that are all now published authors that I've sort of made over the years through Instagram. And in fact, over the years, the relationships I've built um, with peers in my industry has been the most that that I've got out of social media in a lot of ways. But I do use it now, obviously, to promote my podcast and to share my work and to promote where I work as a writing coach and also share knowledge about publishing, which I think is really important to do to make publishing much more accessible because it's been traditionally very inaccessible industry. So I'm really, I'm really, um, I feel very passionately about sharing knowledge like that. Um, but yeah, it's difficult. I think you need to have boundaries with, in terms of time in general, I'm so fascinated by time. I, I feel like at some point I will probably do a book about time. <laughs> I'm quite obsessed with it. I'm I'm here for that book. I feel like you're juggling a lot and I could learn from you in terms of time management and not fussing and getting stuff done. Well, getting stuff, well, not fussing is a big part of it. But also I would say that, you know, one thing that I don't think is particularly talked about very much when it comes to time, and I wouldn't even call it management. I don't think what I would call exactly is, is time management. It is about, you know, I've always done what I've wanted to do. You know, I, I look down and I look at, what I could achieve in a day in a day. And I think about, well, what is it that actually I really want to do? This is how I manage my time. Um, and it, it's difficult because obviously there are some things that I never really want to do, like um, my accounting stuff. I mean, never, ever want to do that. I never want to do admin. Um, I bet I will do it because I, I get to a point where I have to do it and it's got a deadline and that's that. So that the deadlines help catch those little bits that I don't want to do. I say, I say, there kind of comes a point when you even want to do that because you need to get it off your list. Well, I want to because I don't want to be massively stressed about it. Yeah. And so it sounds really strange, but I have always followed what it is that I really want. And so when it comes to book writing, it's something I really recommend people think really carefully about doing. Uh, don't do it because you think, oh, this will be fabulous on my CV, right? I mean, yes, that might be part of it. But you have to really want to write a book as well. And I know there'll be people listening who really want to write a book. It's in the back there. They may be feeling very unsure whether they're able to, whether they're allowed to, whether they have permission to, all those sorts of things. But I know there'll be people listening that have all like have that in them that they definitely want to. And I think you should listen to that voice very, very strongly. Um, I have always thought very carefully about the next steps I want to make and allowed myself to make decisions based on what it is that I want to do, not what I should do. For instance, in writing a novel this past year, I can't, I'm shuddered to think how many hours I've put in the past year into writing a novel. I have no idea whether that will pay off in the long run financially. I don't know. I, do, I have no idea. But I didn't know that either when I sat down to write the proposal for Tender and it has completely changed my life not just because it's changed my career, but because the process of writing it changed me. Um, and the novel will be the same. I don't know what will happen with it, whether it will sell or not. It's I'm, I'm in the process of re re redrafting at the moment. Whether it does or not, it has changed me and it's changed me as a writer and I've loved doing it. And I think that's the only way you're able to pour so much time into something that doesn't have an immediate benefit to you. But I think you do have to think beyond immediate benefits. You don't need to know exactly what the whole path is going to look like, but you need to be interested in those next couple of steps. So I think, you know, you can, it's easy for me to look back now on my, on, on my career and sort of go, oh yes, and that progressed to that and that progressed to that. I think we can all do that. 
But actually, really, what I was doing was I was keeping one eye on the future, but I was keeping most of most of what I was looking at in the next couple of steps. I'm like, do I want to take those next few steps? And you know what? I really did. I really do. I really did want to start that proposal for tender. I really did want to, you know, go submit to agents. I really, you know, it's terrifying stuff, but I really did want to take that next step. So I think really in terms of time, really think about what it is that you want. With social media, it's difficult because of course we don't necessarily want to put ourselves out there on a day-to-day basis. It's time consuming and um, it can sometimes feel like it's pulling us away from the real work, which in some ways it is, you know, marketing, which social media is a part of, is not necessarily our main work as a creative business owner. We, you know, our other work is, you know, writing or photography or teaching or, um, you know, graphic design or, or all of those other things is the work. But being a business owner requires us to wear a number of hats. Um, but I think if we think about it, um, in terms of what we want for ourselves for the future and, and marketing comes into that. So I think if you're really struggling with the idea of putting yourself out there, perhaps giving it some limits and some boundaries so that you, um, some minimum ones, perhaps, so that you know what your minimum is that you have to do. Uh, and then also give yourself breaks. You know, I think actually um, at the moment I'm about to take a few weeks completely off all social media uh, because I've got to finish something. I've got a deadline and I've got to finish it. And I do do that sometimes um, and I just switch off. And it's my it's my own thing so I can make my rules. As a photographer and writer, both steady disciplines, how have you coped with the TikTokification of Instagram? Yeah, it's interesting. When I first joined Instagram in 2012, I and from I think from 2012 to 2016, I used it just as a very much behind the scenes thing. I didn't put any professional work. It's kind of how it was in those days. Um, around 2015, 2016, I really was seeing a big shift where photographers were actually using it almost as like a portfolio. And I decided right from the beginning, I didn't want to just have a portfolio on Instagram. People could go to my website to look at my portfolio. So I kept it as a behind the scenes thing, but I became a bit more deliberate with it. So there was a big shift then. It was about being able to share what I was doing as a photographer and who I was working with and the kind of stuff I was up to. And then, um, 2016, 17, I started really using it as a micro blogging site about more, much more about really about being a creative freelancer whilst juggling my, the needs of my children and being a single parent and all of those sorts of things that so really shifted. So I feel like my Instagram has shifted a number of times over the years. And this just feels like another shift. Interestingly. So I hadn't really done any reels until a few weeks ago and I decided to experiment with it. And I did two different posts, which I knew would have some popularity just because based, you know, on what I posted in the past. And I did one as a reel and one as um, a post and the differences, oh my goodness, the stats. It was just shocking, absolutely shocking. And I was like, oh God, that means I'm making another shift again, doesn't it? Um, so, you know, something like one, uh, one real, the real got 13,000, you know, views and the photo, which had something like 200 comments under it. So it was a popular post had 3,000 views. 
And so I remember thinking, I just at that point, I went, oh, okay, here we go. We're, trying, we're having another shift. I mean, they maybe serve different purposes. The reel was probably seen by, yes, more people in your audience and also potentially some new people that, that would not know about you. But it's that other post sounds like a really good bit of community building. What it showed me was that it's just, you know, it's, the, it's a platform that's changed and that's fine. It's just changed. You know, Instagram doesn't owe me anything. Um, it is a massive, massive business making a lot of money and I use it for free. I don't even pay for ads, so I'm not giving them any money. Um, so I think I'm, I'm of the mind that I don't, I'm not going to get caught up in, um, in this idea of like, um, Instagram somehow owes me something. Um, it has changed a lot over the years and that's okay. Um, I use it for what it is. I take it for what it is and, I have, so I've started doing some reels, but I do them as a photographer. You know, I put like, I often do reels out of now. I'm not even done that many, but I'll, I'll make them out of stills, you know, and make a series of, of stills. And actually I find that I quite enjoy those kind of reels when other people put them up. Um, so I'm just shifting what I'm doing, but at the same time, Instagram is a place that I have really enjoyed over the years. I enjoy it definitely a bit less now that I'm getting shown a whole lot of people's content that I don't know, um, which I know is a problem that a lot of people have with it. But at the same time, I think we should treat it for what it is, which is, you know, it's a small part of my business. It's not, it's not the thing that keeps my business going, but it's a really good way for me to connect with people. It always has been to build relationships that, you know, I built relationships on Instagram that led to really big authors agreeing to blurb my book when it came out as a completely unknown writer. You know, um, that, that all came from having chats on Instagram and becoming friends through Instagram. I think there is still the capacity for that, for relationship building. Um, uh, and I think there's also still the capacity for some people to find you, but you know, I'm only ever going to spend a portion of my time thinking about it. I think for me, what's important is my podcast. Um, like you, I love podcasting. I just think the conversation, kind of conversations you can have a podcast is so, um, so rich and really can give a lot of value and I love it. Um, and I have a newsletter as well where I feel like I can offer a lot more value than on Instagram. It's about what you really want to do. And I think in terms of if anyone's out there thinking, well, how do I even begin? Um, I think start with why. Always start with your why. Um, you will find if you sit down with a journal and you sort of start digging into why you have this little kernel there inside that's saying, oh, maybe I should write a book. I think once you dig into your why, you can really come up with some some really interesting things. And I just want to finish by um, sort of giving you a, a, a testimonial for your work almost, because I hope you don't mind me saying, but you you uh, you approached me on email and said, oh, uh, I was wondering whether you might like to do a podcast episode. So you did a pitch. And I've spoken before about how really awful most of the podcast pitches are that I get. I mean, they're really bad, Penny. Oh, no. I mean, you know, it's, and it's because people don't know, not because they're not interesting people or wouldn't make interesting guests. It's just they're approaching me in the wrong way. And um, for anybody who'd like to get onto podcasts a bit more, Penny's uh, pitch was all about the value that she might be able to offer you, the listener, as somebody who 
might like to uh, share their expertise in the form of a book and, and you know what you know why you might consider to do that and how that might help your career or you know that kind of thing and it was just it, it, I was like yes please let's talk about that so it, it's just if you are approaching somebody via Instagram on email you know make it about what it's in what's in it for their audience and I think that's the way to to get across the line do you agree Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is the interesting thing about now being a podcaster. I was a podcast guest for many years before I started my own podcast. Um, so I've been on both ends and there is nothing, there is nothing worse than a generic pitch. And the same goes for book proposals. There is nobody's interested in a general book. No, no one, no one wants a general book. What they want is a very specific book from a very specific point of view, which is yours, which has come together for perhaps personal and professional reasons, your the your point of view. Um, and that's really what a proposal is all about. And a pitch is just the same, a little micro level. <laughs> oh, Penny, thank you so much. It's been just an absolute pleasure. Oh, I hope you loved that conversation. I did. Do you have a book in you? I'll link to Penny's podcast. It's called Not Too Busy to Write in the show notes. I'm taking away from this episode the need to focus on small conversations, not massive, great big ones. And listening to what I want to do, that being a way to plan your time. What do you want to do? Which sounds so self-indulgent, but it's not meant to be. If we can get done what's easiest and most enjoyable for us to do, then we move forward. If you found this episode useful, please share it with your friends. It helps new people to find the show. It also helps us lots if you share a review on Apple Podcasts, telling people why they might love and be inspired by just bloody posting it too. Scroll down to the ratings and review bits in the podcast on Apple and you can get writing. That would be the best. Back soon with more excellent people to introduce to you. Thank you always for listening. Bye.